scripture reading this morning will come from the book of Hosea. That'll be after Daniel and right before Joel. First portion will come from chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And the second portion will come from chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Let's begin in chapter 1, taking verse 1 through 3. And the Lord, the word of the Lord reads, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah in the days of Jeroam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said, Hosea, go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, that the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibla, and she conceived and bore him a son. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a great controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, and no knowledge of God in the land. They are swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all the bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Amen. What a nice graphic. Isn't that a nice graphic? Don't take too much credit for it, Phil. Somewhere between Phil and Ruth, we came up with that graphic. But somehow, somehow I think it's more on the Ruth side than Phil. Amen. Amen. But we give Pastor Phil some credit for it. Amen. 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 I am a, um, I came of age, I grew up, my adolescence were the, were the 80s. And everybody knows that uh, the 80s music is the best music. That's why they have the 80s radio, you know, um, Broadcast and have stations that play nothing but 80s music because the 80s was the best music. Amen? Amen. 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 Some of you, um, perhaps not most of you, but a few of you would remember the band Foreigner. I know most of you don't. That's okay. You missed it. I'm telling you. In the mid-80s, they had a, a hit single. It was the biggest of all time. And the song was, I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. What a great song that is, by the way. It was recorded with the New Jersey Mass Choir in the uh, background, singing the background vocals. And the chorus was simple. It says, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Beloved, I am convinced that that is the heart cry of every person in the world. Every person, if they were honest, in their heart of hearts, they would tell you 
just want to know what love is. We all want to know what love is. That's why love is such a popular and seemingly ubiquitous subject. More songs have been written and composed. More poems have been written. More movies have been made. More books published on the subject of love than on any other subject in human history. Why? Because we all want to know what love is. Most of us think we know what it is. In fact, if I was to ask you for a definition of love, I am quite certain and confident that I would receive as many varied definitions as the people that I asked. And all of us have some idea of what we think love is. And yet we will have to admit that it is not easily defined. And yet we think that we know it when we see it. And we think we can sense it when it is not present. When there is a lack of it. And yet, beloved, because of sin, and because of sin's effect upon our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our emotions, we too often confuse love with lust. We mistake love for infatuation, for admiration, for affirmations. And if we are honest this morning, and Dare I say that most of us will admit that our lives are filled with hurt and pain and regret because of this confusion. Many, many, many lives have been shipwrecked and hearts sunk because lust being misidentified as love. And yet, despite all the pain and the hurt and the heartache and the regret, this has not diminished our desire or our resolve one bit. We still want to know what love is. So we open our Bibles. We turn to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. And the Bible seems pretty clear there. Couldn't get any more clear than that. You want to know what love is? The Bible says God is love. God is love. Now, the truth of that statement, beloved, is undeniable. It's plain and simple. There it is. And yet, for most of us, the abstract nature of that statement and that thought is too difficult for us to really comprehend. In other words, we look at that and we still ask the question, what does that mean? God is love. Because of sin, again, the hardness of our hearts, 
and the dullness of our minds. The grace of God to us is not only that the Bible would tell us that God is love, but God condescends to show us that God He doesn't just tell us, he could just tell us, and that should be sufficient, that would be enough, that God would say that I am love, and that should be sufficient, that should suffice. Because of the hardness of our heart, the dullness of our minds, the waywardness of our lives, God condescends in mercy. He goes beyond call. He doesn't just tell us that he is love. He shows us to those who want to know what love is this morning we turn to the prophecy of Hosea. And for the next few months we're going to look we're going to listen and we're going to learn what God says love is. The title of our series is Here is Love. And to understand the prophecy of Hosea is to understand Hosea's prophecy is really saying, Here is love because. Here is God. Here is God. Now, when most Christians ask about love, they are familiar with the New Testament Greek word agape. Right? That's what we think when we think about love. If you've been in church for any length of time and you've heard somebody quote or misquote, pronounce or mispronounce or whatever, Agape. And this is what we think about love when we think biblically about love, and it's defined for us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where the Bible tells us love is patient, love is kind, love is dot, dot, dot. Yet not only does the New Testament speak about the love of God and love in general, but so too does the Old Testament. In fact, beloved, the Old Testament speaks more adequately, speaks more fully, speaks more eloquently about love. And in the Old Testament, the single most important word was not the Greek word agape, Pastor Peter. But indeed, the Hebrew word, chesed. Amen? Chesed. There may not be, beloved, a more important word, or at least I think we could say that there is not a more meaningful word in all the Old Testament than that word chesed. The 
occurs over 240 times. It is so rich and full with meaning. And it carries with it a breadth and a depth of translation that you find it translated variously in various contexts. You'll find it translated as goodness and kindness. Sometimes steadfast love and, and mercy and loving kindness. It's defined as covenant faithfulness or as covenant love. It is descriptive, it is most descriptive of the love that God has for his people and that he enters into a gracious covenant and he condescends to be in relationship with them based upon his desire to love them. It is in this that he swears his love, he swears his faithfulness, he swears his devotion, he swears his Commitment to his people. And therefore, you can understand why it is so frequently mentioned in the Old Testament. And while so is on the lips and minds of so many of God's people, as God is speaking it oftentimes to his people himself. Frequently mentioned in the Old Testament, but then you should understand, and you probably can get it in your mind, that nobody mentions it any more than David. Because in my estimation, I doubt that there was anyone who loved the Lord any more than David. This is why you can see that this word was frequently on his lips, in his mind, and in his heart. And as you might expect, the Psalms are filled with it. It's mentioned more in the Psalms than it is anywhere else, beloved. The songs of Israel of the matchless, covenantally faithful love of God. David said in Psalm 100 and verse 5, For the Lord is good, and his mercy or his chesed or his love, his covenant faithfulness endures forever. In Psalm 63, David says, Because your loving kindness because your covenant faithfulness, because your steadfast love, because your covenant love is better than life itself, my lips will praise you. When David had conquered all of his enemies, he looked around his kingdom and all was at peace. And he was reigning king of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 9 looks around his kingdom and he says, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show covenant faithfulness, covenant love for my friend Jonathan's sake? In the heart of the king was a love of God. David could be and should be referred to as the king of heaven. Because David is the king of heaven. And Hosea is the prophet. Hosea is the prophet of heaven. And 
this morning, we will dip our toes in this water. And hopefully next week, if the Lord is willing, we'll dive on in. But this morning, we're just going to dip our toes a bit and give us a little overview and context for the series as we go forward that we might understand this prophet of Kephas. We'll see this morning that he was a man on a mission and that he was a man with a message. Hosea. I doubt many of us are very familiar with Hosea. Probably haven't heard too many sermon series through the prophecy of Hosea. When Josh stood up to read Hosea, if it hadn't been for your phones and electronic devices, you'd probably still be looking for Hosea. Josh said it's it's after Daniel and before Joel. But that's no help, because then we have to find Daniel and Joe. But indeed, Hosea is the first of what is called the minor prophets. They are minor, not in terms of their significance or in terms of their importance, but the people who teach us these things suggest to us that they are minor prophets because of the length of their prophecy as compared with the the length of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Hosea would be considered a minor prophet. And yet, beloved, Hosea was a prophet. And like Jeremiah, and like Isaiah, and like Ezekiel, The Bible says that God called him, like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, like Ezekiel. Chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Hosea. And since this is the case, there is nothing minor about that, beloved. We don't know much about him. He was the son of Barry. And unlike some of the other prophets, like Amos, we don't know Hosea's occupation prior to being called by God. We are not sure what he did with his life and how he toiled in his days. But we do know this, that at some point in time, God called him to the prophetic ministry. And at that point, beloved, that's all that matters. Verse 1 says that he prophesied during the days of the kings of Judah in the southern part of the kingdom. During the days of Isaiah, Isaiah and Jothan and Ahaz and Hezekiah. And when Jeroboam was king of the north. And Hosea presided in the north. And the prophecy that we shall read and study has 
a prophecy that is primarily to the people of the northern kingdom that is known as Israel. Her ministry lasted, but it still appeared an active ministry of approximately 35 years. His name was Hosea. A name similar to that of Joshua and Yeshua and even Jesus with the same root meaning that the Lord has saved. It is the Lord who saves. And this is most important when we seek to understand the prophet and the prophecy. For God has called Hosea whose name says the Lord saves, and he caused this prophet to, to deliver a message of love and salvation to the people of Israel. But he doesn't just call him, beloved, to teach and to preach this message, but he calls him to deliver and to show and to live out the difficult doctrine of the love of God. Difficult doctrine. It's a difficult doctrine. But this is only fitting because when God calls his prophets, he doesn't call them to lives of ease. True prophets of God, those who God has called, you read in the scripture, he doesn't call them to lives of luxury, unlike modern prophets and prophecies today. Doesn't call, he doesn't call them to luxury liners and personal planes and holding crusades with their names as the front line. Recording CDs, but God's prophets are called to difficult places, to trouble, to hardship, to heartache, to pain. And no one knew this anymore than Hosea. But God called him to do what no godly man would want to do. He was a man of God called to love the ungodly. Called to share a home and called to share a bed with the unlovely. God put him in an adulterous and troublesome marriage. See what it says in verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom, forsaking the Lord. Now don't miss that, beloved. Those words there are powerfully instructive 
adds to understanding the heart and mind of God when it comes to his covenant faithfulness. But we know, and Hosea knew, and all of Israel knew, that God holds marriage in high esteem. Proverbs 18 and 22. All the men in here can quote it. Amen. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, Brad, and obtains favor from the Lord. Amen? Amen? While all of us men in here say amen who are married, if Hosea would he'd be here, he'd say, hold up. Hold up. Hosea would say a lot of things, but I'm not sure if he would say amen. For he would not have seen his wife as a good thing, nor his marriage as obtaining favor from the Lord. And yet, beloved, this is the point. This is the very point that God is making. Israel had been unfaithful. She had played the harlot. And his marriage to her had not been a good thing. It had not been a favorable experience. Why? Because chapter 4 and verse 1 tells us, because there was no chesed in her heart. There was no love. There was no covenant faithfulness. There was no good and kindness in the land. And instead, Israel had been unfaithful. She had played the harlot. She had played the spiritual prostitute, giving herself in, in, in worship to any and everyone who came and dropped a few coins her way. Verse 1 of chapter 9 says it well. Rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the peoples. For you have played the whore. Forsaking your God, you have loved the prostitute's wages on all the threshing floors. This is a graphic description. And yet it is only a fraction of the issue. Beloved, adultery is an awful thing. Those of us who have experienced it, and know firsthand the pain of it. Know the deep wounds and scars that it can cause. And yet, adultery among a husband and a wife is an awful thing. 
adultery when God is your husband is an abomination of the worst sort. But this is what happens to all of us. This is what happens to all of us, beloved. This is what happens to God's people when we want to know what love is, but we go looking for love in all the wrong places. This is what happens to God's people when we seek to love that which doesn't love God. This is what happens to God's people when we seek to love that which God doesn't love. This is why it is impressed upon us again and again. If you want to know what love is, you have to start with knowing what God loves. And you love that which God loves. And then you move on to make sure that you love that which loves God. Or else you will find yourself in an adulterous, idolatrous relationship. It's what God teaches us. This is why God impresses upon us not to be unequally yoked. Why? Because they will take your heart away from God. Love those who love Christ. There you might find love. Ask God, God, whom have you set your affection on? I want to love them. This is Israel. Loving that which God has not loved. And loving those who don't love Jehovah God. And beloved, God is not mocked. He will not allow this adultery and idolatry among his people to go unchecked. He loved Israel too much for that. He loves you and I too much for that. And so he sends Hosea on a mission. And he sends him with a message. And this is the message. God is not pleased with Israel's idolatry. And therefore, judgment is coming. In chapter 9, Again, you read, rejoice not, O Israel, exalt not like the peoples. Then he says to them, for you shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat the unclean food of Assyria. Judgment is this is the message that Hosea brings to the people. It is a message, beloved. Don't miss it. It is a message of God's un, 
unfailing, unflinching, and inexplicable love to his people. We tend to think of God's love as his warm and fuzzy kind of Winnie the Pooh type of thing. And yet, the Bible reminds us that God's love is both kind and severe. It is not this sentimental notions that we have in this world of love, but it is a love that comes from the holiness of God that is both righteous and true, that is both just and good. And in this reminds us then that God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. In fact, Exodus 34 and 14 tells us that his name is jealousy. That's who you married. You married a man whose name is jealousy. I am amazed at how often that couples get upset or a little put off because one or the other is jealous. He looked down and said, are you jealous? Are you being jealous? Uh, duh! <laughs> a husband should be jealous for the affections of his wife. A wife should be jealous for the affections of her husband. Do you know a child should be jealous for the affections of their parents? And parents should be jealous for the affections of their children. How can there be true love and care and faithfulness and commitment when there isn't a sense of jealousy? Now we know that jealousy can be misused and Jealousy can be abused, and like anything that is taken over the top, it can bring hurt and it can bring pain. But beloved, there is a right jealousy in love. This is particularly true of the love of God. He is a jealous God. That's why he is heartbroken. When Israel plays the harlot, for he loved her as a husband, as faithful husbands love his wife. But this is also why he chastised her, because he not only loves her as a wife, but he also loved Israel as a father would love a child. And Hebrews tells us, does it not, in chapter 12, beginning in verse 5, that all those whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And this too is a sign of his affection for his people. Love does not mean no discipline. Love does not mean no judgment. Love 
does not mean no correction. Love means that in the midst of the discipline, there is acceptance. Love means that in the midst of the correction, there is acceptance. This is why God would call Hosea to demonstrate love on the one hand and to preach the chastisement of God on the other. Because if you want to know what love is, it carries both of those within it. Hosea was a prophet of Hesed, beloved, because our God is a God of Hesed. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, the Bible says, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, abounding in covenant love, abounding in in faithfulness, abounding in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. However, he will by no means clear the guilty. But David said, Psalm 145 and verse 9. And in it all, the Lord is good to all. And his mercy, his steadfast love, his covenant faithfulness to all his people. To all his people. He doesn't overlook your sin. He loves you enough to offer the correction. He loves you enough to discipline you. He loves you enough to shake you out of your adultery and idolatry. He loves you enough to never let you go. come from a big family, and one of my older brothers had spent a a great deal of his life in and out of jail, in and out of prison for various things, and as a consequence, he has proven himself untrustworthy by friends and family. He has stolen and violated the trust stolen from many of those who who love him most, including his own mother. Yet time and time again, she goes see him when he's in jail. When he gets out, she welcomes him into her house. One day, I just said, Mama, Why do you keep doing this? She looked at me and she said, because I'm his mother. And if I don't love him, who will? That reminds me, beloved, that's what God said. That's what God says to Hosea 
That's what he says to Hosea to go and tell Gomer. Why do I have to go and marry Gomer? God says, because Hosea, if you don't love her, nobody will. Why, God, do you keep coming after Israel? Why do you keep wanting them to repent and turn from their ways? Why do you keep offering them forgiveness and love and acceptance? And God says, because if I don't love them, nobody will. That's why the songwriter had it right. He wrote, oh, love will not let me go. Oh, joy that seeketh me through the pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain. I feel the promise is not in vain. That morn shall tearless be. Beloved, when God comes, and he comes to discipline and to chastise, it is only to awaken us to his love. It is only to turn us from our sin, which has taken us down the wrong path, and to turn us, awaken us to see what love really is. He wants Israel to repent because he wants Israel again to know his love. You want to know what love is? Here is love, beloved. Israel was rebellious. And so are we. Israel was unworthy. And so are we. Israel was unfaithful. And so are we. Israel was ungodly. And so are we. You want to know what love is? Here is love. In that while we were yet unfaithful, in that while we were yet unlovely, in that while we were yet rebellious, in that while we were yet unworthy, God sent his son to die for us, to redeem us, and set his love upon us. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love toward us in that Christ died for us. Here is love. Anyone, beloved, would marry the beauty queen. Christ has come like a Hosea and has married the harlot. But here is love. That she doesn't stay the harlot. But he picks her up. And he cleans her up. And he washes her. And he gives to her the honor that is due only to him. Here is love that once she walked the streets 
in shame. Now she walks the street with him in glory. That which at one time was the most undesirable thing now is the most desirable of all things. That which was the most unbecoming is now in God's eyes the most beautiful. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who is love? will not remember. Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. You want to know what love is? Stick around for the next few months and let God Teach us as we look and listen and learn from the prophet 